as the author intended, the title of the book will get everybody's attention. OMG, WTF, does the Constitution actually say? What does the Constitution actually say? Our guest this morning, who has written a non-boring guide to how our democracy is supposed to work, Ben Sheehan. Good morning, Ben. Thanks very much for talking with us. What a fun book to read, even for people who are not diehard politicians or, or politically uh, invested. This is a really fun book to read. Was it as oh, well, fun? Thanks to ri- so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Was it as fun to write? I mean, I'll bet you learned a lot of uh, incorrect and correctable information about the Constitution. <laughs> I learned. I probably knew. To be honest with you, maybe five to ten percent of what was actually in this document before I started this 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 project. And I had grown up in D.C. and studied politics my whole life and been around it. And it truly blows my mind how the difference between what we think is in this document and what is actually in it. All right. So uh, then, rather than ask specific questions and have you be thinking, "Oh man, you should have asked me about this other thing," uh, talk to us. Uh, tell us about. The, the most surprising things you learned about what the Constitution says and what people actually think it says. Sure. So I'll start with what is particularly relevant right now. Um, you know, elections are vastly run at, at the state level. Um, and the, everything from the times, places, and manner of how we how we vote, and it's really up to our state legislatures and and our states to decide. And we're seeing that play out with vote by mail versus um, you know where you can register online or in person, who can vote, and that's really the most interesting thing I, I learned is that the Constitution doesn't say at all who can and can't vote specifically. It largely leaves it up to the states, and Congress can can override those state laws. They can make or alter those regulations, but it really is um, a state level decision. Um, and, you know, we also don't have the constitutional right to vote for president. Our states just let us vote for president, and that's how they determine the electors. But for the first hundred years of this country, states would just pick the electors themselves, and p- people didn't have any say in it. Ordinary citizens didn't have a say. Um, there's also, which is extremely surprising for me to find out, no qualifications for Supreme Court justices, no qualifications to be Speaker of the House, to be Senate President pro tempore. So you and I, Mike, have all the qualifications necessary for those three jobs. Right. And I would uh, I would love to be, my mother used to say this all the time, when I'm in charge, things are going to be different. They may not be better, but they're definitely going to be different. <laughs> she just hated the way business worked in many cases. Right. Well, I think we're, you know, we're, we're so, we see so much partisanship and, and, and gridlock in Congress. And, um, you know, it really is, I'd say probably the, my biggest takeaway from this book is how much, uh, you know, our, our government is supposed to be run by the legislature. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure at times I would have rather had your, your mom as Speaker of the House. And if she was able to get uh, a majority of representatives to vote for her, she would have had that job. Are, are politicians hiding behind what uh, the general public thinks the Constitution says uh, in uh, the cases of not doing their job? Absolutely. Um, I really think that there is, you know, it goes back to the fact that we largely have, have 
adopt teaching civics in many regards. In the, in the 1950s and 60s, you had classes like civics and American government and U.S. history and foundations of democracy, you know, required in, in many, many states. And today, uh, it's gotten to the point where only eight states require a year of civics or government education at some point between kindergarten and 12th grade. And we've seen heavy cuts in the last 18 years. So we really have an, an ignorant, um, or I should say uninformed, um, citizenry and, and population. And I do think that uh, politicians take advantage of that so that we can't hold them to account because we pay their salaries, we pay their benefits, we pay their expenses, they, they work for us. And if we don't know how their job works, then it's hard for us to know if they're doing a good job at it. Is it fair to pile on the left when saying that they want to keep the general public in the dark, uh, that, that the left wants to be the party of will just take care of you, sit down, be quiet, we've got your back, don't ask any questions, we'll give you what you need, and that's all there is to it. Is it fair to blame the left for all of that? Well, I think it's, I think it's fair to blame both parties, and I'm not just saying that. You know, I, 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 what I found so fascinating about this is I came into this, you know, my, I, I really tried my, my very best to write this without any sort of bent whatsoever, and any time I shared my opinion, it was very clearly under a header that said IMO, in my opinion. But I came away from this being a much more independent-minded voter than I was before, and I realized how much political parties have kind of become bank accounts, shared bank accounts for their candidates. Uh, the platforms change, and it's really, you know, the Constitution was written in a time where there were no political parties. You supported, you know, it's, you know, we were pro-administration for Joe Washington, anti-administration. It was four years after the Constitution that political parties came into effect. So I do think that for their own purposes, both parties capitalize on, on our ignorance. But what I really hope is that we read this document and know what it says, because we have to get back to thinking that all of these people who are serving in fancy jobs in Congress, at the end of the day, they work for us. Well, but all these people uh, today are working for us, understanding uh, how today's uh, morals run the world. This Constitution was written by a bunch of old white guys, wealthy white guys who are slave owners, and they don't know diddly squat about how the world should be. So the Constitution should uh, be a living document that gets changed all the time to live up to the way we think today. I have heard that over and over in the last couple of months. Is that accurate? Should should the Constitution be altered? Well, you know, the, you're correct in saying that it was, you know, a group of, of 55 uh, white guys, uh, some, some, is, some in their 20s, some as old as 80, um, writing this document, and about half of them were slave owners. And it, it was a debate very much at the convention what to do with slavery. And, you know, it, it isn't mentioned by name until the uh, 13th Amendment in 1865, um, but it is referred to indirectly three times throughout the document. But this was a point of, of controversy. This wasn't, you know, it wasn't 100% written by slave owners. Um, this was something they argued about. Um, so, you know, it, this you see this play out in 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 the notes from the from the convention and and I just think that we we have this skewed understanding of the amendments process because the Constitution is supposed to be changed. I mean, the, our, all of Article Five tells us how to you know to propose and ratify amendments. And I think about this conversation between James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, where and Jefferson wasn't at the convention. He didn't. I mean, he didn't sign the Constitution. He was. He, he wasn't involved. But. Um, 
he thought that the Constitution should be changed every 19 years at like a brand new Constitution because he thought it was like having a coat that fit you as a child, expect it to fit you uh, as uh, as an adult. Um, so the the range of beliefs about how often it should be amended really spanned among the founders. But the truth is, is that the document is set up to be changed. We have a process of changing it. Um, it is hard to change the Constitution. We've only done it 27 times. Um, but they did give us that opportunity to, to amend it as we see fit to, you know, fit our, our modern times. Ben, is the book available everywhere? It is. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, you can, if you want to support a, a local independent bookstore, you can go to Bookshop or IndieBound and type in your address and, uh, you know, support a local business that way. OMG, WTF, does the Constitution actually say? A non-boring guide to how our democracy is supposed to work. Author Ben Sheehan, our guest on the Crosstalk, the book is, uh, is quite funny and very helpful. And there will be lots of times that even those of you who know politics will say, really? I didn't know that.